What's going on? It's your boy, Che Cole, and you're now tuned in to episode 150 of the Cold Therapy Podcast entitled Identity, Value, Purpose. Let's get into it. Identity, value, and purpose. It's important that we talk about this because I can't uh, understand how I have drifted. I can't understand uh, God's original intent, God's original design for my life unless I understand what my identity, right? My identity. And so unless I properly see myself, I'll diminish my worth and be confused about what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna go ahead and, and tell you that these slides that I have here on today is nothing but scripture. Uh, so uh, you're gonna have to take notes. Uh, if you need me to repeat something, just say repeat that, say that again. Somebody put it in chat if you need to. Uh, but really, uh, I really want to hone in on the scripture. We can't have a Bible study without having the Bible be proeminent in what we teach on tonight. So identity, right? That's, that's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with identity. And just to give you all some back, background into how this topic even came about, how we uh, even got here, I was really grieved in my spirit one day. I was uh, just evaluating and, and thinking about, uh, you know, people and, and just seeing different things, uh, how we, we sometimes start to question our value. We start to question our identity. We start to question our purpose, right? And uh, a lot of times for me, this is just speaking for me, whenever I, I feel a burden, whenever I feel uh, something strongly in my spirit, I ask God, what am I supposed to do with this, God? What am I supposed to do here? And this is, uh, even as I teach this on tonight, I don't want y'all to feel like I have arrived at some place to where I have mastered identity, value, and purpose, right? This is uh, something that I think we all, as believers, will struggle with at times because, uh, as we'll see here in a few, few moments, as I hone in on identity, that you will see from the earliest beginning of time, the attack from the enemy was on identity, right? Um, and, and when you think about identity, there's a couple of things and spaces and places uh, that really get us uh, questioning identity, right? We can misplace identity. We can misplace it. We can put it uh, in certain things. You may have put it in a position, in a job, in a title, in a business, in ministry, right? In, in fraternities, sororities, and, and this or that. You can get your identity so wrapped up that when that thing is gone away, there's nothing left, right? There's nothing left. Are all of those things bad per se? No, they're, they're not all bad, but it's just when uh, your identity has become so consumed in what uh, this thing is or, or what that thing is that you no longer can truly uh, rest in who God created you to be, that then in lies the problem that many of us will have and many of us will face. And I wanna show you something from uh, just a, a the definition, right? The, the definition of identity, the condition of being the same with something described or asserted. The condition of being the same with something described or asserted. 
So it's the condition of being the same or something similar uh, to what has been described or asserted. So whatever I place my identity in, I'm saying myself to uh, be described as or the same or similar to that thing or that uh, particular uh, entity, if you will, right? And so look at this, look at this from a, a study I saw. It says, this is talking about uh, identity formation. It says, without this fundamental self-knowledge, responses to work and relationship problems will tend to be expedient rather than thoughtful and satisfying. Achievements will tend to be ephemeral rather than cumulative and meaningful. Choices and commitments will tend to be disconnected and short-sighted rather than strategic and facilitative of good developmental outcomes. So in terms of identity formation, we see that these uh, choices that we make, these commitments that we make, sometimes are disconnected and short-sighted rather than strategic, rather than facilitative of good development and outcomes, right? Good developmental outcomes. In terms of identity formation, can, can you start to see a problem here? As you think about identity formation, without this self-knowledge, responses to work and relational problems, relationship problems, right? So how many uh, relationships, whether they be uh, platonic or uh, romantic relationships, have been affected because I didn't know myself? <laughs> because you didn't know yourself, right? And what we'll find is as uh, you grow into this self-knowledge of who you are and whose you are, until you have that realization, uh, it can be tough. And, and I'm telling you, we're in a world now where if you don't know yourself, <laughs> if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who your identity it truly is in, you have trouble, right? Because this world is it, subtly drifting, right? They, they want you to drift towards uh, uh, complacency and uh, capitulating or, or drifting towards their ideals and, and their uh, thought patterns, right? To be accepting of certain things, to be... Um, that wrong is right and right is wrong type of uh, ideology starting to creep in, right? But if you're not secure in who you are, then we'll have, we face issues, right? So let's, let's go ahead and hop into some scripture. And I got some Nikeo Church people in here, so I know y'all familiar with this one, right? Matthew 3, verse 16 through 17. When he had been baptized, this is Jesus. Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At this moment in time, Jesus had not done any miracles. He hadn't done any signs, any wonders. Yet a voice, the Spirit of God, descended like a dove and said, This is... Take note of that. This is, I want you to take note of that. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right? So Jesus hadn't done anything. So we have to understand that we, when we take from the example of Jesus, God has already confirmed him. God has already confirmed him as his beloved son. Right? So wherein lies the problem? I'm glad you asked. Uh, when you look at Matthew 4, let's go to Matthew 4. Right? This is 3. Uh, through seven here um, that we'll read, right? And I highlighted the important parts that I want you to see. 
So now when the tempter came to him, he said, if, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Right. And Jesus answers in verse four. But he answered and said to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God. Throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Right. So I want to highlight the parts that I highlight there on the screen. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, didn't in Matthew three, if we go back, it says this is my beloved son. You see how the enemy creeps in here and says, if you are the son of God. So we went from this is to if this is immediately after as you flip the page and this is what you see, right? If implies uncertainty. If implies uncertainty. So what the enemy is doing here, God has already confirmed him. God has already validated Jesus as his beloved son. The devil, the enemy, the tempter wants him to be uncertain about the call that is Jesus as the Christ. Right. So if implies uncertainty, might I pause here and just suggest to us that many of us have a uh, a a if faith. We have an if faith. So we approach God if God is able. If God can do what he said he can do, if the shift that has to take place is we have to have a sense God, right? If implies uncertainty. So if if I have an if then faith that suggests that I'm, I'm unsure about who God is. If is for the the non-believers, if you will, if is for uh, the atheists and the agnostic, if you will, they're still questioning. They're they're uncertain. Right. But for us as believers, we have to be uh, secure in the fact that Jesus is the Christ. So since God is God. This is what I believe <laughs> since Jesus is Lord and Savior. This is what I believe. All right. Let's look at Genesis three. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, uh, which is in the midst of the garden. God has said you should not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. What does this have to do with identity? Right. You see how the enemy is starting to uh, to get them to question. What God said. Right. God told them, God gave them a command of which tree not to eat. So now the enemy wants to introduce a question to get them questioning what God already said, what God confirmed. The enemy wants you to question. What God confirmed, 
the enemy wants you to question. Right? So we know we're going to skip down. Y'all know the story. This is Genesis. Right? We skipped down a few verses. Genesis 9 through 11. It says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? This is God talking. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? So watch this. I want to suggest to you that when God asked him, where are you? It wasn't about his physical location. It was about his identity. Because what God created, when Adam and Eve took of that fruit, they no longer looked like what he created. Because before they bit of the fruit, they didn't know that they were naked. They had no reason to be ashamed. And so when God calls to him and, and says, where are you? Where is the you that I created? Where is the you that I formed? I created you without a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound. But I created you to have dominion. Yet you no longer look like what I created. Right. And so the question that begs asking for us all on this Bible study is who told you? <laughs> who told you that you were incapable of doing that thing? Who told you that you were incapable of starting that business? Who told you that you couldn't uh, excel to these places and achieve these things? Who told you that? Something to to think about as you ponder on your own relationship and on on your own uh, identity within Christ. So what is the true identity in Christ? When we look back at Genesis 1, verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We see here that you are created in the image and likeness of God. Right. That's important for us to understand. We are created in the image and likeness of God. So when doubt creeps in, when insecurity creeps in, you have to know I am made in the image, the express image of God. Right. Let's keep rolling. Value. Value. I can't talk identity without understanding my value, right? Because if I don't see myself as the express image of God, if I don't see myself as made in his image and his likeness, I'll then start to diminish my value. I'll start to, uh, it's like this for some of you are business owners, some of you own, own businesses and things of that nature. It's like this when it comes to value. When you first started, you didn't know what to charge for your services because at that time you were just starting <laughs> and you didn't know if you were charging too much. Right. You wanted to be humble. You wanted to be modest about uh, what it is that you charge for your services or for your products. 
right? And so you diminish the value because you thought your skill set wasn't up to par or because you didn't have this or you didn't have that. And so now you've diminished or uh, watered down the value that you bring, right? So let's, let's, look at, let's look at what the word says. And the Lord God, this is going back. So we, we transition to God creating or saying, let us create man in, in our image and likeness. And this is Genesis 2. Right. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Why is this important, Che? If you think about Genesis one, I didn't put it because I didn't want to read the whole Bible to you, but I'm I'm assuming y'all know what Genesis one says and how creation worked. when you look back at Genesis 1, everything that God created, he spoke it into existence. Let there be, and there was, right? Let there be light, right? And there was. Let there be this, let there be that, and there was. But when it came time to make man, <laughs> when it came time to create human, he says, I'm going to put my hand in the dirt. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand in the dust of the ground. Not only that, I'm going to breathe into what I have formed, into what I have created. If you don't see the value that you have now, let's just keep going. Second Peter two and nine, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That has got to resonate in your spirit. That has got to become your uh, identity, your value, in terms of who you are and whose you are. You have to understand that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, so carry yourself as such. Amen? Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not of your own, for you are bought at a price? Come on, somebody. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's, right? So you were bought with a price. You were purchased. You, were, you weren't free. You weren't just taken off the shelf at a low cost. You were bought with an extremely high cost. That's your value. That's how important you are to God, that he would send his only begotten son in the form of Jesus. You were bought with a price. Amen. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, his craftsmanship. He meticulously created us and designed us, right? Like I said, he got his hand in the dirt. He put his hand in the dust for you and me and formed us, right? Now, this is one of my favorite ones. When we talk about value, when we talk about identity, if you've talked to me at any point in time, you know I've told you Psalms Psalms 139, verse 13 through 15. And this is a a very familiar passage of scripture because we love verse 14. But 
I think there's so much more to this familiar passage. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. This is the part we all know. For I am fearfully or beautifully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. This is the part that I like. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. When you see skillfully wrought there, uh, some of y'all, some of y'all NIV and NLT. So you'll see woven, right? You'll see woven when you read these scriptures. That tells you how uh, how meticulously God took his time to create man when he created adam when he created eve when he took the time to create that is the value that we have right let's keep on going your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them how precious also are your thoughts to me O god how great is the sum of them if i should count them they would be more in number than the sand when i awake I am still with you. His eyes, as David says, saw my substance being yet unformed. Watch this. And this is getting into our purpose conversation because his eyes saw your substance. His eyes saw you being yet unformed as you were not even a thought in your mother. He saw you. He knew you. Right. And this is this is so impactful to me. It says in your book, they all were written. The day's fashion for me. So the question I have for y'all today is what did God write in the book for you? What did he write in his what is written in his book? When he thinks of you, what is written in his book? Hmm. That lets me know that he has a purpose. He has a, a plan for my life. Right. And so now we get into purpose. And this is where. A lot of people wrestle with and struggle with because I want to know my purpose. I want to know my purpose. Uh, God, what is my purpose? Right. And tonight, I'm glad you came because I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to show you that the Bible actually gives it to you. Amen. It says uh, Colossians 1:16. for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Right. Let's see. I think I I want to stop right there. You were created. Here is here is your purpose. You were created. Here's part one of your purpose. You were created for the glory of God. You were created for God's glory. You were created for God's glory. That is your purpose. That is your purpose. When people question what my purpose is, the better uh, way to to phrase it, to say it it is not actually I want to know my purpose because God already gave it to us. When he created us, it was created to worship him. We were created to give him glory. Right. So a better way to phrase uh, what is my purpose is how do I execute my purpose? How do I execute my purpose? But I'm going to show you part two before we get to that. And this is the Great Commission. Wait, sorry. 
I added this last minute. Jesus said to him, Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So you're created for God's glory, right? And we see this, that the the first and great commandment is to love God, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, right? So here we get into part two of what your purpose is. The Great Commission, as he gave the disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So part two of your purpose is to go ye therefore and make disciples, right? And so what happens is a lot of times as believers, we, we think that's reserved to a bishop, to apostle, to uh, insert ministry title here. We think that's reserved for them. But no, you in whatever position, what, in whatever state that you are in, you are there to glorify God. And to make disciples. Amen. So let's look at Colossians 3, 22, uh, 22 through 24. Because when we think about, uh, so now that I've given you uh, the what behind your purpose, right? Glorify God, love God with all your heart, and go you there and make disciples. You may say, well, how do I, how do, I do this, Right? That's the question. That's the million dollar question. That's the question that everybody wants, really, truly wants to know. Right. So Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says, bond service, obey in all things your masters according to the to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So whatever it is that God has gifted you to do, whatever it is that you do, do it as unto the Lord. Do it for God's glory. Do it as if your life depends on it, because in actuality it does. Right. Because whatever God has gifted and skilled you to do, that is how you can glorify God. That is how uh, you can uh, use what you got until God speaks to you and shows you other areas. Whatever it is that you do, give God the glory in all of it. That is how you execute. That is how you find out. Uh, everyone on here has skills, talents, abilities, right? So watch this, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as each one has received a gift, there are gifted people. Each and every person that is watching this, that is listening to this right now, who is on here right now, has received a gift. And don't get caught up when the Bible uses minister 
or uh, speaks. It's whatever it is that you do. You might be the baddest uh, hairstylist in the world. Do it unto the Lord. You might be the baddest basketball player. Hoop unto the Lord. Whatever it is that God has gifted you to do, do it as unto God. That is how. That is the how behind it. So watch this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, says Proverbs 16, verse 9. Why do we bring this out? Because a lot of times when we search and seek for purpose, we think it's the purpose that we've conceived in our hearts. <laughs> we think it's the plans that we've made. Right. We think, oh, God, this is this is how you want to do this. This is how you're going to uh, move in my life. This is how this is going to happen. Uh, and it's just going to be all rainbows and sunshine after this. Right. So you have many plans in your heart. You have uh, how you think it's supposed to go. You think how uh, this is supposed to happen in your life. But know that the Lord is directing your steps. So there might be slip trips and falls along the way, but the Lord is directing your steps. Trust him. When your identity is secure in Christ, you don't worry about how it's going to happen. You don't worry about um, this happened or this took place in my life because I'm secure in Christ. And I know that the Lord is ordering my steps. He's directing my steps. He's leading me and guiding me. Amen. Our favorite one, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future and a hope. Sorry. So why? Look at what I have highlighted. Why did I highlight that? When we read this, we think um, to ourselves, uh, I know the plans that I have in my heart and God's going to give me a hope and a future. God's going to prosper me. Right. That's how we read Jeremiah 29 and 11. But when we read it, it says, for I know. Right. Look at what I have highlighted. For I know, says the Lord. For I know, says the Lord. So going back to Proverbs 16 and 9, the Lord directs his steps. Right. Many are the uh, plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. So it's in him. This is why identity becomes important, because it's in him that I find my purpose. We have a lot of people who are searching for purpose outside of God. We have a lot of people who are searching for purpose outside of Christ. Right. Trying to do it our own way, trying to twist and manipulate our way into this thing. But I want to encourage you that purpose comes in him. It is in him that we live, move and have our being. Right. That is the whole point and purpose of following God. That is the whole point and purpose. That is why he created us so that he would get the glory out of our lives and so that he would be exalted in all things. So whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that God has gifted you to do, use what you got. Think about uh, Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents to one. He gave five to others. He gave two to another. He gave one. What was the principle behind it? Use what you got. Don't make excuses about, oh, if I just had this, oh, if I just had a million dollars, I would do this. I would open that shop. I would open this. I would do that. Trust God in this process. God, what has God gifted you on today? And I'm going to stop sharing because I think this is it. What has God gifted you on this day?
What's up, y'all? Y'all got some new faces in here. What has God gifted you to do, right? You may be the baddest at what you do. You may be the best at what you do. Do it as unto the Lord. Don't worry about this or that, where the money is going to come from, where, where the finances is going to come from, where the provision is going to come from. A lot of us have misplaced. Let me go back to value real quick. I don't know where some of y'all jumped in and we're going to open it up for questions and discussion here in a second. But a lot of times what happens is we diminish our value, right? When we, in terms of value, we think that um, I don't have it like everybody else got it. <laughs> Imposter syndrome, right? You step into that corporate office and you see a bunch of people that don't look like you, <laughs> right? Or it's a bunch of people that uh, have been there 20 plus years, been there for a while, right? Or somebody got more degree than you, someone got this certification and you ain't got it. And you start to diminish your value. You start to say, ah, I ain't got it like that. You start scrolling on Instagram and you see how creative that person is and how they doing this. They got all the gear that you want. And you're like, man, I, I mean, I'm nice. I'm nice with it, but them over there, shoot. Like they got it, bro. That's, they doing it over there. Like, I can't even step with them. I can't even rock with, I can't even preach like them. Who am I to, who am I to go do this? I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to just sit back. I'm going to just, nah, y'all got it. Let them do it. Let them, let them, let them have it. Let them do what they do. They preach better than me. They sing better than me. They're more talented than me. They, they design better. They take better pictures than me, right? Their podcast is better than mine. Their YouTube channel popping. They got, you see all the followers they got? Sheesh. I'm over here like, nah, you got to know that you know you are a child of God. When you walk in the building, yes, I come in here as one who represents the king, the most high God. I come in here. Go in there like God sent you there because he did. I just told you what your purpose was. Glorify God, right? Go and make disciples. When you walk in there, thank you, Holy Spirit. A lot of people that I know in here have said that they're in a season of obscurity. They're in a season of obscurity, right? You're not seen, you're not valued, you're not heard in the places that you think that you should be heard at, the places you think you should be seen at, right? Ain't nobody hitting your line, ain't nobody trying to get your number, right? Whatever the case may be, you think, uh, everybody just passing over me. I'm, I'm watching everybody else get married. God, where mine at? Because I'm like, what in the world, right? What is going on, right? You happy for, you know, your friends and stuff like that, but on the inside, you're like, uh, God, when is my turn? <laughs> where he at? Where she at? <laughs> where they at? Any moment now, Lord, right? And so you're in this season of obscurity. But the Lord wanted me to tell you, that even in this season of obscurity, even in this season of not being seen, not being heard, not being valued in the way that you think you should, you should be, operate in excellence. <laughs> operate in excellence as you sweep the floor. Operate in excellence behind the scenes. Operate in excellence without your name being called because the validation doesn't, if, if the validation comes through man, you're gonna need the validation of man to sustain you in where you're going. 
So now in this season of obscurity, in this season of not being seen, not being valued, not being heard like you thought you should or like you think you should. And the fact is, you know, you got it. You know, you better. You know, you you know, if you if they give you the mic, you're going to kill it. You know, if they give you the rock, you're going to score. They you know that you got it. You know that in your heart of hearts, but your number just ain't been called yet. Right. Operating excellence until it comes. Operating excellence. The thing about uh, David, and I'm, I'm getting ready to transition here because I, I feel like I'm preaching a little bit too, too much. And I want to get some discussion in here. The thing about David, right? He goes and fights Goliath. So check this out. First Samuel, uh, First Samuel 16. He's anointed king, right? In First Samuel 16. He's anointed king. In 1 Samuel 16, okay? 1 Samuel 17 is when he fights Goliath, right? You notice that he goes back after he slays Goliath. He goes back to the sheep. He goes back to a place of obscurity. He goes back to the place, wait, because some of us, <laughs> if we had been anointed king, <laughs> we would have had a, we would have already had our Gucci belt, right? We would have had the Fendi robe. We would have had everything, Louis V. We would have had everything. We wouldn't have been, she, I'm the king. I'm anointed king. You going you gonna to tell me to go back out there with the she? Nah, bro. That ain't for me. I'm a king. And you going to tell me to go back out there? No, he went right back. And then check this out. Not only did he go back to the sheep. Uh, remember Saul was distressed with the spirit. <laughs> Who did they call for? David. So David now has to sit at the feet of the anointing that he already has. David has to sit at the feet and play the harp. For the, uh, for the place that he's been anointed. Let me help you. Anointing and appointing does not come in the same season. Just because you've been, a, some of you, you know where God has called you to go. You know the mantle that is on your life and you're upset, you're frustrated because this season of obscurity has you in a place where, God, I don't see it. God, I, I know this is supposed to happen. I... Think about Joseph. I'm done. I promise I'm done. And we're going to open up for discussion and questions. Think about Joseph. He has a dream. Has a dream. Ends up in a pit. One. <laughs> right. And then not only does he end up in a pit. He ends up in prison. But let me keep let me keep going, because not only does he end up in prison. Watch this. God gave him a dream. Right. And then the same God would require him to speak over other people's dream when he ain't seen his yet. <laughs> I haven't even seen my dream yet. And you're going to ask God, you're going to ask me to speak over these other people's dreams. And I'm still here in prison. Nah, bruh. Tripping, tripping, right? And what a lot of us have in terms of our faith, 
Because this is what happens. This is what happens when, when we have a faith that's an if-God faith. What happens is, see, we, get, we got so used to this Bible, right? We, so, it's some Bible scholars on here. Y'all know the Bible inside and out. Genesis to Revelation. Y'all know the Bible. And y'all know the good parts, too. That's what's wrong with you. You know the good parts, right? But think about, think about David. Think about Joseph. So when we read the Bible, right, so we can read, okay, Joseph got thrown into the pit. What we do is, okay, let, let's turn the page. Turn the page, and he's, he's out, of the pit, out of the pit. He's out of prison. <laughs> he sees what God has for him. He sees the promise. So we think that God, our faith isn't going to be like that. We think that I can just, in my life, I can just turn the page. I just wake up the next morning. And oh, there's the blessing. There's the spouse. There's the, there's the increase. There's the financial blessing. There's the salary that I wanted. There's, there's this. There's the car. There's the house. There's the child. I can just turn the page. Faith ain't, <laughs> it ain't like that. It don't happen like that for us. Because we're reading their account. Right. We're reading the, the account of what happened, what took place. Yet we think that our, our faith is just going to be like that. Just oh, I turn the page. There they are. There it is. I'm where God called me to be. I have the title now. <laughs> All right, John, let's uh, thank y'all for coming. Thank y'all for listening. I went way over what I said I was going to go. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to blame y'all because some of y'all jumped in late and I felt the need to go back. <laughs> <laughs>